0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Our good friend, Professor Jane Kirtley, she's a resident of Minneapolis and the director of the Silha Center for Media Ethics and the Law at the University of Minnesota. And uh, Professor Kirtley joins us today to speak about, well, what's happening in her community and uh, the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, Jane, thank you very much. May I ask you to wear your lawyer's hat for a moment and just give us your impression, your sense of the trial, how it was held, where it is now, and as jury deliberations, final arguments and jury deliberations will begin tomorrow.
1: Well, Roy, I guess I would say that uh, what has been so extraordinary about this trial is that it has gone as smoothly as it has. Um, I would have anticipated that there would have been Several instances of somebody asking for a mistrial, especially uh, with the uh, shooting of Dante Wright last week, just a week ago today, um, which the jury all would have seen the coverage of and which I'm sure the defense would see as prejudicial. Um, There's I, I think the, the trial has gone surprisingly smoothly, and of course, as, as you and I have discussed before, we had the extraordinary experience for us here in Minnesota of having it uh, televised, a live stream available uh, through a variety of platforms so everybody could watch virtually all of, all of it. And I am hoping, I'm, I'm keeping my optimism in line to say that this will help uh, diffuse uh, public reaction if the outcome is not the reaction or the the outcome that they would want. Um, As you said, closing arguments are tomorrow. The jury will then go into deliberations. Um, The trial judge has told them uh, to hope that they will be short, but to prepare for them to be long. So we don't really know how long they'll deliberate. They will be sequestered tomorrow um, after uh, he gives them their final charge, and so we won't be seeing them again until they reach their verdict.
0: What is the mood in, uh, in Minneapolis now? And you have, as you mentioned, there's the other the case, um, young black man losing his life, uh, being shot by a 26-year police uh, veteran who said she thought she was reaching for her taser, and then she had her sidearm and she shot and killed him. She's now facing manslaughter charges. What, what is the mood in Minneapolis and the suburban area?
1: I think there's a great deal of apprehension. Um, our Minnesota state governor was on um, the local CBS affiliate Sunday morning show today. I watched his interview, and uh, he was pushed on what kind of steps he was taking to keep um, the community safe, uh, not just you know, the, the physical safety of individuals, but the safety of businesses. Um, You may have heard that they've already announced that the Minneapolis Public Schools, which just recently went back to -to face-to-face teaching, are going to meet remotely um, starting, I guess, after the jury is charged um, in the event that there are disturbances comparable to what happened last year. And um, I I mean, I admit it, I'm apprehensive myself because um, I don't live that far from the epicenter of the uh, riots last year. I don't know that they're going to happen again. We we haven't had a lot in Minneapolis proper in response to the uh, shooting of Mr. Wright. That's mostly been up in the suburbs, but um, there have been many demonstrations, all peaceful to date, um, in connection with the Chauvin trial. And I know that there are extraordinary security measures that have been put into place to ensure the safety of the jury and witnesses and others um, once the jury does return its verdict. So. I hope that the governor was accurate when he said that they are taking every step they can to keep us all safe, but after what happened last year in May and June, where the, frankly it was not handled very well and I think the governor would admit that, um we're we I think we're apprehensive is is the word I would use. And of course, there are many people that have already basically said that anything less than a full conviction um, will will you know elicit a a reaction that could well be violent and there's a separate issue by the way which is even if they do return a guilty verdict they will still have some other findings they will have to make about his state of mind and motivations which if they find uh, that he checks those boxes could um, elevate his uh, his sentencing time up to and including life imprisonment, and the judge will have to make that determination as well.
0: And is that done uh, right then and there, or is that spread out over a period of time?
1: It'll probably be sh- very shortly thereafter, but this has been an unusual trial, so I'm not entirely sure that they will do it right away. Um, but that, that is the next step that they have to do. And of course, if this same jury has to decide it, they don't want to keep them hanging around indefinitely. So I think it would, it would move fairly quickly after, um, their verdict is announced.
0: Doesn't the state of Minnesota, if I have this correctly, the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis, very diverse and has a, has a, has a um, uh, uh, an understanding, a history of being seen as a very tolerant society. Uh, do I have that correctly?
1: Well, that's the reputation, although I think for a lot of people, and, and I include myself in this because I'm a transplant here, even though I've lived here for almost 20 years, a lot of people kind of associate that, that kind of thinking and mindset uh, with the era of when Hubert Humphrey, you know, it was first uh, the mayor of Minneapolis and then went on to the Senate and, and ultimately, you know, sought the, the presidency of the United States and was vice president as well. I'm not sure that that same level of um, progressive or liberal thinking is as pervasive as it once was. And even to the extent that it, it was true, I think even in the olden days, it was primarily confined to the urban areas. We have we have a huge agricultural uh, community in outer Minnesota, which has never been particularly liberal. But I would add to that, that I think, you know, the the, the great divide that we've seen in this country in the last 15 years or so, Minnesota has in no way been, been exempted from that, unfortunately. And so we we have pockets of people throughout this state who think that their concerns are not being uh, given enough attention, they are angry, they're resentful, and many of them voted um, for President Trump, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not happy. And I think when you combine that with the fact that we have people of color who believe that they have been systematically discriminated against over the years, and there is some evidence of that. Um, there was an expose that was done here um, some months ago about the redlining practices in the, in the Twin Cities going back to the turn of the last century, and, and many covenants in residential housing still exclude people from color. They're not enforceable anymore, of, of course, but I think they, they put you know they put paid to the idea that this has always been a really liberal diverse place that welcomes everybody that's just not entirely true
0: well i remember our conversation um uh, i think it was the morning after the worst night of rioting or you were on the air with me came on the air and i um uh, i was very worried about you and and uh, because you've uh, you've become a friend over the years and uh, so please be safe and uh, and we'll keep, you know, from our distance, we'll watch very carefully and very closely what's happening because it will be a watershed moment for um, race relations developments in in the U.S. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.